Morning, Brock. Morning, Cameron. <laughs> I like that. Well, first of all, I haven't said your name, even though that was an early topic of this podcast. I haven't said your name at the beginning in a while, but I like that due to the fact that due to a different reason, it's also hard for you to say my name. Um, <laughs> that you. What's your reason? My re- <laughs> my reason is that I almost never say people's names to them. Uh, remember, it's like a mild social anxiety thing of like feeling awkward about uh, and feeling like it lands in this like uncanny valley of familiarity where I oh yes. remember. Oh, yes. Well, you discussed. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and your reason I can tell, which is that you have not called me Cameron because I grew up at Cam and you catch yourself every time. Look. You've been Cam longer than you've been Cameron, so. All right, let me think. I went to college right after I turned 17. Um, what? So I am, and I'm about to turn 34. So you're, you're correct for the next, like, month and a half or so. Month or so. I, yeah. I think you're also making the false assumption that I was referring to your life from your perspective. Oh, I'm I'm mm-hmm. referring to the only time your life exists is when I'm interacting with it. So, oh, okay, that's not where in I thought that you were case going. it'd be about 05 percent. Okay, I've got a, I've got a child. One second. What? Okay, I don't need to do that. Go away. <laughs> All right, my son went potty. That's the important information he had to impart to me. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, no, I, no, that was not the way I was going to go with it, but it was my quick backup plan to not be wrong. Okay, I thought you were going to go with the, like, uh, I've always been Cam in sort of the cosmic sense, um, which would kind of land you, you know, with however many thousands of years, uh, like, on, on the Cam side versus a, a mere, you know, a mere twinkle. Of, uh, That's true. Yeah. Although, did your parents call you Cameron from the start ever, or was it always Cam? Uh, you mean like since the start, beginning of all time, or? Well, they don't know. They weren't doing anything while you weren't doing anything to the lead up to your existence. True, um, true, true. And then they existed for a while, not knowing you would, would exist. And then you started existing and then they called you. Oh no, they called. I was the one who chose to, 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 to lengthen my name. That was, I was cam or, or okay. uh, early on. I, and no one has called me this for, for you know, a very long time, but I was cambo to many members of my, of my family, <laughs> my uh, uncles, that kind of thing. Cambo. Except for one of my uncles who called me Cameron Phillip. I think everyone has one, uncle or uncle type figure who does something like that calls you by your first and middle name. Really? I don't know if I, you don't have like a, um, okay. I've never been called by my first and middle, although maybe it's just an effort to be different. So it could have been any number of things like Brock man, Brockman, I've gotten that or Brock, Brock Lee, obviously Uh Brockman. I hate to disappoint any of our listeners who had been secretly holding the joke that my name sounds like broccoli, mm. but it's been done. I would say universally, uh, the, 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 and I'm sure you're aware of this, but the, uh, impression most people have of the name of Brock in my experience is that of like a, a football player, like a jock, like a jock. You, uh, everyone, I mean, do you, do you get that? Do you feel like that's well, a, that's a stereotype you fight against? It's interesting. I've I've not felt my name has been stereotyped. I think most people just find it, you know, slightly unique. They probably don't know any other Brocks personally, but it didn't occur to me at all what it was like because there were so few examples of it, other than what someone might feel. Just hearing it for the first time. And of course, I had heard it my whole life, and so I didn't think anything of it. But after a while, I did start to think, you know, it's clearly, 
it has the word rock in it. It does. And there's only a slight lead up to it. Mm-hmm. And it's very brief and impactful, right? So everything about it says, you know, someone large who can hit you over the head. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, it's not, it's one vowel away from uh, Brack and one away from Brooke. Just various. Really, your name is an onomatopoeia. We just haven't decided what's an what is an onomatopoeia for. I don't know. I feel like that's a roller coaster. If Brooke, Brooke. I mean, going to Brooke. That feels very. I don't know. I I think Brooke calm and feminine. Brooke is the sound of someone hitting someone with like a empty shoebox. A Brooke. <laughs> okay, Brooke. Brooke. To- <laughs> Are you saying Brooke or Brooke? B-R-U-C-K. Oh, okay. I was saying Brooke, and I was like, it's very close to Brooke, and I feel like there's a quiet, babbling gentleness. Something about that extra O really softens the blow, but if you just just take a U and throw it in there, and you end up with (laughs) a... No one says Brooke. (laughs) That's like somebody is trying to call me bruh, but then decides they shouldn't, so they try to call me my name real quick, and it just comes out... Sup, Brooke? <laughs> I, I, my point was just that that you're a vowel away from that. I mean, the word Brock is in the in a world where that is not a a, a first name. I feel like it is a uh, it's on the level of like a snicked, like a uh, like a comic book uh, sound. Oh yeah, is that what those are called? An onomatopoeia? Yeah, onomatopoeia. No. What's snicked? Snicked is the sound, uh, it's the comic book sound of Wolverine's claws coming out. Ah, okay. So that's just a common example of that kind of Right, that's, that's a, a uh, that's, I don't know if there's a special word for a comic example. book onomatopoeia, but it's like snicked TM every time his claws come out. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, I don't mind my name, but I don't think I live up to it in certain ways that I'm glad that I don't. Yeah, I feel like that that your name comes with a little bit more of a stereotype baggage than mine. But it's also stereotype baggage that you're correct you in like you it's not it's not like your name is uh your first name is like Einstein or something. It doesn't carry baggage that you feel right. the need to live up to. Right, no, certainly not. I mean, there's Brock Lesnar, of course. Is Brock Sampson? Now that well, that was the obvious. It's obvious I to you and me. Yeah, a, the best use of my name outside of myself is Brock Sampson. So, hmm. Do you have? Do you do but, you know why your parents named you Brock? I do. Oh, really? It, <laughs> it's my dad's mother's maiden name it's a last name that a lot of my family from tennessee has and now it is my name interesting and now it is my youngest son's middle name double interesting i somehow missed it jules is i mean jules 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 brock Brock. man in fact sometimes we've called him jules brock as in two names together i think you know because they're such short names and they sort of sound uh, all right, in sequence. Mm. But I was very reticent to use my name in any child's name, especially first name. I'm I get passing down the name, especially you know third and you know like a tradition. Sure. But especially if you're the first. <laughs> Of your first name. I just was like, I don't think I can make another human my name. I don't know. It felt... Oh, uh, you, you didn't want to junior someone. Well, I don't I don't know if people mind being juniored. I just personally don't feel I've done anything worthy of making my name be passed on as someone else having to be me or something. Right. Are you following anything? There? Yeah. I, I, there's a, there's a lot to like declaring that now you are like the senior of like the Brock William Walker estate. 
You must carry on the name of Brock William Walker. <laughs> I, I, I would never, I would never, uh, junior, a child. I feel like that's, I feel like that's, uh, also like a weirdly super masculine way to go about naming a kid because I just don't, maybe it happens, but I just don't see a world in which my wife was like, you know what? Let's just throw in the towel on naming this kid. We'll just name him you. Is that cool with you? I was just thinking, I really like your name. <laughs> Well, my wife wasn't against it. Uh, I don't think she advocated for it, but uh, yeah, I was sort of against it. I liked the name, and it's a family name, and so I did feel some idea that it would be nice to pass it on, but I couldn't. I didn't consider it as a first name, mm. and I had two boys, and then the third one, we're just like, yeah, it's not bad. Mm. Yeah, I passed on my middle name. I figured that was made as much sense as any. Uh, and it also means my son has the same initials as my dad. That's kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. I passed on my middle name halfway, which is relevant to you being called Cameron. So I will say it quickly. My middle name is William, which was my grandfather's name. And I like the name William. It sounds cool, but I was conscious that if you name someone a name, you have to imagine what they'll probably be called, despite whatever you would like them to be called. So with William, it was almost certain Will would be the name. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything against Will so much as I don't particularly fancy it like I did William, and I couldn't make him be called William. Yeah. So I just pre-shortened it to a abbreviation I like more than Will, which is my middle son's first name, Liam. <laughs> I, 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 this is my fault, but I had not until this second realized that that was a related really, really thing. I, I think of Liam Neeson, and that's pretty much it for me and Liam. I, which is also a great association right off the bat. Sure, so. yeah. But I just didn't realize that it was the last half of the word, William. Now I feel silly. No, I don't think I knew that for a while, it, but my middle name is William. So I'm I'm more, you're more, you're um, more responsible to have known that. Yeah. I should have known that before I did, and I do now, but it took me a while. Oh. There it is. So I preempted all of the nicknaming. I mean, it's hard to shorten Liam. So thinking about what the word Brock is, and if I saw Brock in a comic, like taking up half the page, like Brock, <laughs> I'm trying to think of Brock. what it is the sound of. It sounds like a sneak attack punch, but not a sucker punch. I feel like it, it involves like something metal crumpling. I want to say it, it's like the sound of someone. It's like the Hulk hitting someone with an empty school bus or something like that. Brock. I was well. Yeah. All right. That's gonna. It's, it's. It does have a solid sound to it. Mm -hmm. Maybe just a body hitting the top of a car. That's kind of morbid, though. <laughs> I don't think. Cameron would uh, come across as anything specific no. other than somebody yelling the name really loud. Yeah, well, at least when they yell Cameron, then I know they're yelling for me. And when they yell Cam, they could be yelling any other, uh, any any of about a dozen or two single-syllable names, which is why I changed it. Hmm. Ah, okay. I watched a uh, movie this weekend called, speaking of, of um, violence, uh, movie this weekend called chopping mall did i send you gifts from chopping mall you did well I, gifts or videos, videos or videos. something yeah short videos okay yeah. sorry short we're videos. all mangling the word gif in 2018 half the time we just mean in a looping short video with no controls yes i sent you videos um I, well it looked stellar i i i highly recommend sitting down for an hour and 15 minutes, which is the appropriate length for a terrible movie that was filmed in the eighties in an actual shopping mall, clearly while it was closed for the night um, and watching a movie. I wonder if they got permission. Uh, yeah. 
I mean, they did, and uh, I, I, the movie. So the movie is is uh, called Chopping Mall. Uh, there's no chopping in it at all uh, because originally it was called Killbots. I read about this. Originally it was called Killbots. It was released like a super super low budget horror movie about security robots in a shopping mall that all kind of look like short circuit a little bit um, going haywire and murdering a group of, uh, of promiscuous teens as you do. And, uh, and then after the movie was released, apparently a janitor, not like a guy who played a janitor in the movie, but like an actual janitor suggested that they rename the movie chopping mall. And they did, and it did a little bit better. Um, but it, uh, yeah, it involves a, um, scanners like head explosion, which is what I think I sent you. And another scene where a guy throws his empty gun at a robot and then he throws a fire extinguisher at the robot and the robot throws the fire extinguisher back at him and kills him. Um, so I'm worried you've already sent me the best of the movie. Those are like, the two best parts of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, could just go watch the two best parts of the movie. On, but I, 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 was, I feel like there is a... Um, the, even mystery science theaters sometimes require more of a time and attention commitment than an hour and 15 minute, uh, little, like a uh, little dip into terrible eighties, uh, horror movie cinema. But man, that movie is great. I, I need to find more. I need to dig into Amazon more and find out what else is hiding down in the depths of Amazon prime streaming. So is that, is that the sound? Uh, the sound of a fire extinguisher being thrown back at a human skull. Uh, it sort of hits him in the gut. Brack! So I'm, I'm more thinking it might be the sound of an empty gun hitting a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Such a futile sound. <laughs> it's, uh, man. Yes. <sighs> I don't have any other, like, I, I wish I had, like, a, a follow-up bigger topic on that movie i just wanted to talk about that one scene i mean there's uh plenty of movies of that sort but most of them have been viewed through mystery science theater i I believe this yeah this would have this would have absolutely been a good mystery science theater movie although again it it was actually genuine unlike many movies that are you know manos the hands of fate for example almost completely unwatchable outside of the mystery science theater context and really kind of unwatchable, even with the mystery science theater guys, this movie actually kept, keeps moving in a way that is like totally fine. More movies should be 75 minutes long. There's, there's plenty of movies don't need to be any longer than that. That's what I think. So if it's 60 minutes is it's not a proper movie. I know it could be 60 you have minutes to be over an hour. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe this stuff will come back because people start d- digitally releasing smaller films directly on Netflix or whatever. Although I think we're kind of going the other direction where what gets released on a Netflix is 20 hour movies in the form of like a prestige television show se- season or something. But I kind of wish more stuff was just an hour. Hmm. I don't feel that strongly about it, though. I don't. I, I don't feel like this is something I. I need to. I need to pursue. <laughs> yell about. Uh, it was just on my list. I have a list of things. Let's see. So I can write out. I can cross out chopping mall. I did it. It was. It was. It. I wasn't always chopping mall on the list, though. It was just a more of a vague. No, it's chop- thing that chopping mall fulfilled. Yeah, it's well, it's a it's a need I didn't know I had, which is to sometimes watch a a, a movie that is mercifully not as long as a regular movie. Uh, sometimes that's all the movie. Like that's literally why we watched it. I was like, what the hell? I want to see what the inside of a mo- of like a mall in the eighties, which is it's something that I remember just enough of that th- going back to it jogs my my personal memory and also the farther we get away from early malls the crazier a mall seems just in in okay so tell me the difference between that and modern malls because they're still building them i think i just saw something where florida approved the world no Maybe it's Florida's largest mall. I don't know. Mm. They're building big malls. I'm not. I personally am not often in a big mall uh, anymore. 
But when I do go to, um, I mean, also it's, it is there, the malls here, I mean, it is Chicago. So we have like the Brookfield mall and then, uh, something Oaks, I forget. They are very big malls. There are like three, four, like the, one of the big malls, um, that we go to, I've been to twice is like, uh, two stories and just like massive. And then in the middle, it kind of splits into like a third level. So the whole atrium area in the middle is three levels. The malls of the eighties are not they're They're of a different sort of, well, they're of a different time. Like the, we've done a, like, I think in general, the mall format is weird to me just as someone who doesn't go to malls much anymore. It's like, here, let's build a fully indoor sort of like fake city. I don't know. And like all these stores have to pay rent to be in this other building. Like it, the whole thing doesn't, uh, it's, it's weird in some ways, but the, uh, (laughs) we heard you like stores. So we put a store in your store. Basically it's like I, I, uh, in the, in the eighties we hadn't quite learned what, well, we, our color temperatures were a little different. So the inside of the mall is very brown, uh, the very lots of wood and brown, and then the um, the the natural light situation isn't say what it could be, um, and so in the malls in the eighties tend to in retrospect be very dark and wooden and sort of weird and like a lot of the stores in it. Well, nowadays a mall most malls are just like permutations of the same stores. But in a in old malls, there were a lot more weird independent stores, and there were a bunch in the background in this movie. Do you think it feels that way because it's old now, or did we sort of feel vaguely uncomfortable at the time in these tan palettes? I mean, I think that uh, the we I, there was definitely malls we felt vaguely uncomfortable in. Do you remember the Santa Rosa Mall? It's like a very strange uh, sort of um, asymmetrical one-story mall where it was very easy to get lost because it looped back on itself a couple of times. Santa Rosa Mall. Yeah, I think it was Santa Rosa. It was out east of us. Um, okay. But it was. It was. It had the. You had the feeling that you were walking through the back hallways of like the basement of a hospital or something except that you were actually in a in a mall uh there were which we've also done <laughs> yeah that's why i said it. as far as the back halls of a hospital yeah, it had this very like i don't know it was very sprawling but also very low ceilinged and dark uh which most malls now are very you know they're, they're huge and tall and and uh big on the natural light um but also like in this mall in this movie there's a TV store and a furniture store and the, the kind of stores that now are, do not exist really. Like there's not the independent electronics store is of extreme rarity. Uh, you know, like we're all of those type format stores have moved, moved out of the mall context and into like a Best Buy or whatever. Right. Uh, how do you feel about that? I think in some cases it's for the better. But in a lot of cases, it's just depressing. I mean, i <laughs> i don't I don't have a lot of good feelings about it. I, there's a efficiency, there's a brutal efficiency to Amazon that I'm actually starting to think about more. Like, uh, I'm trying not to buy things on Amazon because I'm trying to uh, i'm trying to at least stop and think how hard it would be to get a thing myself um rather than just you know look think about it buy it on amazon prime and then a a man in an unmarked car shows up and hands it to me a day later um there's a there's a uh romantic inefficiency to having to go find something in the city for yourself um that that we're sort of missing with the advent of that kind of stuff so malls are like physical Amazons? <laughs> if in 10 or 15 years when we have to describe what a mall was, um, if, malls at, <laughs> if malls at that point aren't just like makeshift hospitals for those of us who survived, um, we will have to describe them as that. Yeah, sure. Oh, they're never going to be makeshift hospitals for those of us who survived 
they're 100% going to be post-apocalyptic city war and sort of... Oh, you, they're going to be the water fortresses or the oil fortresses? Yeah, you're probably right. They're, they're, yeah, they're going to be levels of compacted living spaces with building hallways within hallways of buildings and shops and, you know, different clan territories and such. It's going to be wild inside malls in the future. Clashes in the food court between warring factions. I like how you, I'm guessing, imagine that the food courts still serve food in this scenario. No. I, where everyone sort of inhabits the rest of the mall and then no, I'm thinking come to the watering hole. The food court's like the, um, it's like the Bastogne line or best, the, wait, I'm just making up French words. It's like the, um, <laughs> it's, it's the, uh, the trench warfare area. Cause you, you think about a food court, you got a bunch of counters kind of facing each other across a big open area. Um, you've got, you're definitely going to have like, uh, like, uh, sandbags on either side. I mean, you're going to have people on one side in the, in the, um, Sbarro. I see. It's naturally fortified areas surrounding a large opening. Right. Exactly. This, this, you're going to have a, a A Sbarro clan. Sbarro clan. You're going to be set up on one side and then you're going to have the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, honey glazed chicken people set up on the other side. The, the far future, the, these clan names sort of have this vague etymological tie to Cinnabon and <laughs> Chick-fil-A and <laughs> just wherever they held up first. We're just writing the new Fallout game now. So there's Yeah, you're welcome. The Inabo clan. And, and like the, and one day you visit the Inabo clan, like ammo shop, and it's the C and the N has fallen off the Cinnabon sign. <laughs> yep. Yep, this, I, this ground you is... You know, broken. there's worse futures, <laughs> but not many. I mean, this this feels like in, the, in our ever-expanding need as a culture to cover every possible post-apocalyptic scenario in fiction, we're, o- we're only like one degree removed from some stuff that's already been covered. Well, I think the more we <clears throat> cover, the more we see where it overlaps is our most likely future. So, you know, this one's coming up. So, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pledge allegiance to the Yanabo clan now. <laughs> get out ahead of that one. Well, I respectfully disagree. Oh, okay. Uh, is this that's that, yeah, a Sparrow follower would say that? I would. It's bigger than a normal pizza slice. I, man, I, I think that there are a few things that I wish that I had just earlier in my life when I had right in that sweet spot of um, not realizing that I had as much like uh, self-actualization as I did at the, as I could have. I should have done more with certain things. Like when I was a child, I almost never got to eat Sbarro. And I almost never played, almost literally never played a, an arcade game. I would go to, we'd go to like a, a CC's pizza and there would be the, the California uh, racing machine or whatever. Remember the, yeah. Yeah, yeah cruising Cruise USA. USA. Thank you. And like I never played it. I never played Hydra Thunder. You know what? I had quarters and I would go ask my, and when I was real young, I would go ask my parents for a quarter and they would say, no, if I had planned ahead and had quarters, I, they wouldn't have necessarily stopped me from burning some quarters in a machine. And I never did it. And like, I always wanted more than one slice of Sbarro pizza as a child. I'm, 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 I'm the kind of person who like any pizza, my sort of like psychological approach to pizza is I want to always eat as much pizza as possible. Like when I eat pizza, I'm that's sort of like you're committing like, to, eat yeah, pizza. That I'm not going to eat. I'm not the kind of person who's going to eat one piece of pizza and be happy about it. I'm going to eat pizza until I can't eat pizza anymore. I think that's a little bit of like a territory grab, uh, like big family tendency. But to this day, <laughs> I, I, I'm not a one piece of pizza kind of person. But I, there was definitely time in my life in which 
I was old enough to like get on my bike or in the car and go get my own Sbarro. And I never did it. Like I've never to this day eaten more than one slice of Sbarro at a time. I, you know what I mean? And now you don't really want to. Is that what you're saying? Uh, probably not. I mean, I don't even know where a Sbarro would be. I'm, I know that I live <laughs> in Chicago. There's like real pizza that's good here. So like that window of time in which like my deep desire was for more than one piece of Sbarro pizza. And, uh, and I never did it. I never took advantage of that. That's so true. I mean, I think that's a real thing. I think that I had a point in my life where I had money and time and still would have enjoyed certain things that I didn't make the effort to do with that money and time, and now I don't want to do it, and it's sort of lost. Like, you could have been eating sugary cereal, Mm. you know, in the interim between leaving your house and becoming an adult. <clears throat> Not that you can't eat sugar cereal now, I'm just saying. I I mean, the there is the joy of certain things is, is tempered somewhat by time. Uh, I still, I mean, I, I, and also biology. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to myself uh, now. And I, I, I did do, I mean, I did that with some things. Like when I got to college, I, I drank a, a shocking amount of Dr. Thunder. Um, of course you would drink Dr. Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I would go buy the, the big, like the 36 pack, like flat from Sam's or Walmart or whatever, and then drink it. But like I, there, the, uh, the, there were other things, I guess, like, and this goes back to, um, understanding like how money works and like putting spending in perspective, like it, it wouldn't have been that expensive at any given time to just like go blow like 10 bucks at Sbarro, but I just never did it. Hmm. Yeah. I remember as a child, I can't remember how old I was, but I was really into military micro machines Mm. and I, my whole thought was bent on which sets I could buy next or in the future at some point. And looking back on it, they were chump change. I don't know. They were probably like five bucks for uh, several of them. And they were nice. And I just remember being so in love with them and thinking, you know, if I had the opportunity, I would really buy the big sets and have all this stuff. And I thought, well, in the future, and mind you, I was like eight. I thought, well, in the future the chances are that I won't want to play with these toys as a farther adult because all the evidence points to adults not, for some reason, being into this stuff. (laughs) But I can't figure out why that will happen. And so I worried that there was a point at which I would stop liking them before I had enough means to acquire more of them. And so I guess I sensed it coming, but I didn't know what to do about it. Did that cause you to buy more or fewer micro machines? I didn't have the means to buy anything. I was at the mercy of my parents at the time. Um, It would have caused me to try to accumulate as many as possible as quickly as possible because I thought, I don't know why I won't like to play with these in the future. But it may be the case. I still have my micro machines. My kids play with them occasionally. I still have my Millennium Falcon and all my Star Wars stuff. Um, yeah, they actually made it into a um, photo shoot for like a reverb thing. <laughs> recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, we did some little promo for like a Star Wars 45 that was being sold on the site. And so in, in that promo are a couple of my micro machines and my, my micro machine Millennium Falcon, which I got for Christmas one year, which I don't even know if my parents realized this, but which I saw in my parents' closet prior to Christmas and then had to pretend that I was surprised by. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You carried that with you for a while, didn't you? I think I told him at some point. But, yeah, I did. I carried it for <laughs> for 10 or 15 years probably. <laughs> It's a rough one. You you don't know you don't know what you actually want or how to get it as a kid. Like I didn't I wanted 
Sabaro, and I could have at any point like practiced a little uh practiced a little 16 year old self-care and been like we're gonna we're gonna close the loop on this Sabaro desire and it just never occurred to me to do it and i well, when i was 11 i didn't you know or whatever i wanted to look for presents but i didn't actually like you know once you once you've done that to yourself and you've found what your big present is then you realize that's not what you wanted after all after all at least not for me well, it's true I mean, in a sense, it's the very feeling is only because you've not overdone the feeling. So Hmm. you get to be an adult. There are infinite choices, and you generally can pick between them all. And you just feel exhausted with the idea. Right. It's not as simple as it feels like at one point it was as simple as, oh, if I had just thought of this thing and done it, then that would have been satisfying. Right. For so long, and I'm, I'll am i extend maybe video games, because video games I liked as a kid, and I still like. Now, which ones and how much I play them has obviously changed. But there was that was definitely, I think, the thing that transferred over from not having means to having means and agency, where I would be into every time there was a new video game release that had anything to do with the ones I liked and I'd wait for it and then I'd buy it or I'd pre-order it or, or what have you. And over time I started doing it almost because I would do it. And then I would just have these games that would sit around and I'm like, this isn't, adding a lot or this isn't novel or I don't have time for this. And then I was like, okay, I don't want to be buying these games. <laughs> and so there was this weird transition out of that where I realized, you know, it wasn't the, the feeling of enjoying a game and the feeling of wanting something was actually separate when when were you when did you uh reevaluate your game uh, when did the magic of accumulating games when did, when did that self-realization take place are you talking like in high school or like as an as an as an adult no it was more of an as an adult hmm. yeah i mean it, and it was gradual it wasn't like a a drop off but i think it hit a peak maybe when i started making real money maybe after my first job because it really wasn't in that level of income. So, you know, 30 to $60 for a game right. was all of a sudden uh, not trivial, but trivial if you wanted something. This reminds me of the, uh, like, uh, <clears throat> the, and we've talked a little bit before about like the, the best, I think we share this like sort of notion that the best part of an RPG or a video game in which you are um, leveling up from guy waving stick at rat into like demigod with laser rifle. And like the best part of a game is the scrappy part where you have just enough means to that, like finding that, that just enough means and resources in the game to do something cool and feel like you accomplish something and find cool treasure, but not when you're to the point of the game where you're kind of leveled past everything and you don't actually need anything else. Um, like that, that medium part. And I've I, cause I did the same thing. Uh, it, like I, I grew up with very, very few video games and like a lot of demo discs and stuff like that. <laughs> And uh, then as a, a mid-20s person started buying a ton of like uh, 360 games and stuff like that and definitely got to a point where I was like, what am I doing with all of these video games? The joy, <laughs> Like the novelty of, of, of accumulating games faded heavily. I ended up, you know, getting rid of a bunch of... I still... I don't know how much... I feel like I didn't have that many games, but I must have because I remember selling like, I don't know, a dozen or two games and I still have a big box of... 360 games and games that I may never play again because the weird thing for a lot of single player games that's hard to explain to someone is like a lot of them are like a novel like right like they're like 30 like Metal Gear Solid 4 is like 
30 hours long and like you don't you can't just like meaningfully pop into the middle of a game like that like you're either going to play it or you're not uh it's a really long commitment so having it just sitting around is oh really yeah strange. i'd say i'd say mass effect yeah mass oh mass effect one yeah. for sure definitely like the, no I, i've i'm not the kind of person who's like you know what i could play right now the middle act of of Mass Effect 2, like, it's just not, I might put it in for a second and be, remember, like, remember a little bit about how it went, but, like, I'm not going to replay a 40-hour single-player game. (sighs) But, I mean, accumulation, there is, there is a sweet spot of, like, um... So, you're saying we as people have out-leveled the game at this point? I think that we, I think that as one's means of acquisition increase, uh, the, your sort of like positive feedback that you get from acquiring decreases. And there's like a, and you, you won't realize it until hindsight, but there was a sort of like a matching peak as one, as your means were increasing and your joy was (laughs) decreasing. (laughs) There was a, there was a peak. Why is my joy not increasing with my means? Yeah, exactly. When I, my, my means and joy, the, my, the most joy and, uh, that I would have gotten out of, out of buying, maybe like, think about buying an entire pizza at Sparrow. Like Like at at some point in my life, that would have been incredible. Right. I, I remember, Oddly, one of the things I remember specifically from my youth was, I think it was like I had a birthday or I had to think about when they'd say, hey, what do you want for the meal? You can ask for whatever you want Mm -hmm. within reason. Yeah, we do that every year. And I think it was, I remember really sitting there and thinking, yes, definitely. What if, what if I could order? a deep dish meat lovers pizza hut pizza whenever I wanted. And (laughs) it was not like I thought of it as a goal. It was like, I thought of it like, and what if I could be invisible and fly? (laughs) You know, I I was just like, what could be better? (laughs) That's the self-actualization I'm talking about. It's like you had $20 at that time, probably like one accumulates $20 far earlier than one knows what one can do with $20 in the world. My son is seven and like, he's good at his chores mostly because he can't play video games until his chores are finished. Um, and he gets right now, I don't know what you do with allowance, but like our, we, we give him, uh, up to $5 a week right now. It's like a dollar per day. But like he doesn't really care about getting paid at the end of the week, and um, we tend to lag on it because I never have cash around, so I owe him like seventeen bucks right now or something. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't like really care about that money. Like he's he cares that he is allowed to play games at the end of the day, and like if he if I can like help him understand and accumulate enough money, he does care about like buying a new uh, Switch game or whatever. Right. Um, like he he bought Kirby with his own money, like with $60. But also the reason he accumulated $60 was because he doesn't spend money on anything. Um, but like if he wanted to, he could with the money in his little lockbox over there, 100% call pizza hut and order a deep dish meat lovers pizza. <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> he could say, he could, he could dial him up and say, using one of our phones and say, give me one deep dish meat lovers pizza, please. And they would say it, and he would pay cash on delivery and it would be fine. It'd be, it'd be a little home alone of him, but like, <laughs> you know, like he, if he had that desire, he has the means to get that. And like, I, it, it, there was a, uh, that peak of like being like 16, I could have gone and dropped 15 bucks at Sabaro and totally picked out. And I just never did it. Um, I do have one other, I have a weird amount of Sbarro stories because this was a, like an intent, like it was a very rare thing to eat a Sbarro pizza. And it's such a, like a, like the thin crust New York pizza, especially at the time there wasn't another place you're going to get it, um, at all right. really. And I, I remember being in an airport with my family and, uh, you have to understand like when I was growing up, when we ate fast food, uh, it was the fast food for my family was, 
uh, a last ditch thing that only happened if there like something went wrong. <laughs> we weren't just like, "Hey, kids, we're all going to Taco Bell." Woo! That just never happened. Um, and so what we would do is uh, pull into Arby's, and then eventually you would get handed back an Arby's sandwich. No curly fries, no horsey sauce, just an Arby's sandwich. And then you would no get, you'd get back on the road. Yeah. When I was like 10, I hated Arby's because Arby's to me was like a dry roast beef sandwich, um, which it sounds, I mean, I, I'm not exaggerating. I, I'm trying not to be, I don't know, whatever. Uh, so one time we were in an airport and uh, we, I think, don't remember what I think we split up and went to a couple of different places and somebody went to Sbarro and I was able to get a Sbarro pizza and now in an airport, you know, a Sbarro pizza is very expensive. So, you know, it's probably like four fifty a slice or something crazy. And, um, I, I got my one piece of Sbarro pizza and then I saw that they had toppings. And so I <laughs> took my, uh, cheese Sbarro pizza over to the, the, the garlic and the um, Parmesan and the pepper. And I like coated it in those things. And then I got on an airplane after having consumed a, a teaspoon of granulated garlic. And I, I, I feel like I should apologize to everyone who was within two aisles of me at the time. I remember feeling very disgusting after that because I was just solid garlic. They, uh, I think they'll be fine. They probably had two slices anyways. Yeah. Bastards. <laughs> I can't believe. So following... The logic of this, mm. uh, it would seem to say that we need to pick a new goal that puts us in the not quite the means to achieve it yet. And I'm assuming we probably do that subconsciously, or does it sort of, we just sort of float around and that's one of the things people talk about when they say quote meaning of life picking an appropriate goal that is just hard enough to reach well i think the problem is um and it's sort of a problem of of uh you know it's a blessed problem to have i guess on some level the problem is and for for a dad running a household is like the the thing that you don't have the means for is no longer like a, a meat lover's pizza or something you have the means. This is why it's hard to buy gifts for dads. They could buy things for themselves. The the only things left, uh, like uh, that cost money, like the only goods and services type things that are are things that are so big that they're demoralizing, like a house or a car or something like that. Like there there isn't technically you have the means for most other things. the The issue is just that you could be saving that money for something else. And the things that you could, that therefore, that the other things that you could be seeking to achieve are no longer on a monetary uh, physical item scale. And now they're on more of a, like a philosophical existential scale, uh, which yes, then you end up with what you're saying, the meaning of life. Like no longer am, am I trying to uh, accumulate a, a X number of pieces of pizza um, based on that being a peak desire for m myself when I'm 15. Now it's... A you just want your family to respect you for one gosh darn <laughs> yeah, minute. just everyone shut up for a second. <laughs> or, yeah, or, or peace of mind or uh, or, uh, or sense of, of stability. Like, I don't know, a, a bunch of other things like that. Yeah, you end up, you end up in, that, in that sort of world. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's way harder to figure that out than a prepackaged micro machine box. Yeah. I don't know if I want to be here. <laughs> that's the that's that's the thing. Uh, the like and at the time you I I figure it'll be the same for me now. Like me 20 years from now will look back at me now and be like, "Oh, if only I had only uh, you know, if I had only realized that that was the point that at which I would have gotten peak return on X thing is me t looking back 20 years ago and being like, if only 14 year old me had realized that he had the $20 to spend on the pizza, he could have just done it. Uh, 
So is it possible that you already have the respect of your family? Oh, I, I, I have the respect of my family. That's not one of my personal things. My family's cool. <laughs> um, for me, yeah, but it's, it's other stuff. It's like, uh, you know, getting people to come see my band or something, you know, <laughs> like there's always the things that you, uh, you really mean something to you a lot as an adult and are harder to achieve are no longer just, uh, working your way up like a financial ability to, uh, to procure that thing scale. Now they're on other scales. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's where I was thinking it was sort of floating around anyways. The problem is, is that that opens up <clears throat> a complete unbounded world of metaphysical possibilities of what even the categories are. Uh, which, yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I am trying to incrementally do little things. Like I, uh, I have this written down. It's sort of, excuse me, this feels like a very adult slash dad thing, but, uh, I, uh, you, you know, the late Anthony Bourdain, um, Indeed. the, uh, I did a bunch of reading about him, um, you know, or, uh, uh, recently and he uh he's not not high on dessert anthony bourdain uh what he always recommended was a little bit of stilton a little bit of blue cheese after a meal uh so i've been okay so i've 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 obtained and i've uh, <clears throat> i've been buying blue cheese and i have that pork belly that i just smoked recently mm-hmm. so you, you cube up just a little bit of pork belly and fry it fry it for a second and crumble a little bit of blue cheese after dinner a dad dessert, pork belly and blue cheese. Now that definitely sounds like something I would do. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it is a uh, tremendous. I would every, every single time I will take a little bit of pork belly and blue cheese over like ice cream or something. Every single time. Mm-hmm. 100% of the time. I don't like that statement. I'm just, I'm not a big sugar guy, but I'm not a huge I'm not a huge dessert person either, uh, but the occasional mood will strike me. Sure, I guess I'm over. I'm overextending there. I don't want to be handed pork belly and blue cheese in in the hot <laughs> <You're> sun just, <laughs> by a fool or something. Your daughter hands you some ice cream that she like hand made with a crank hey, now. while you were at work <laughs> after the meal, and you just thoughtlessly brush it aside and it topples onto the floor and you're like clean it up uh, and then you go eat your pork belly yeah no no uh, that's yeah i'm sure we could build all sorts of narratives in which i'm wrong that's fine <laughs> but, but i that was my favorite one that i thought of so i thought i'd share it. i like that one there's nothing sadder than ice cream falling on the floor <laughs> uh yeah in this scenario. Except for, I guess, homemade ice cream falling on the floor. That's definitely worse. Yeah. There it is. Hmm. Uh, that's some... Uh, I don't know. I, w- I would... I, uh... Hmm. Do you have things? I was I, yeah, wondering well, if that would lead us into, like, a cooking segment... But it really didn't. I mean, I've always got cooking. I, I cooked a bunch of stuff this week. So did I. Uh, my brother was in town. Partly, I'm going to blame that whole situation on why I just slept in yesterday instead of got on the podcast mic and or indicated to you that I was not going to. Yeah. You, so I apologize. 100% signal dark on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, my brother and his family were in town last week <clears throat> and so i was off most of the week and we were doing family things and kids and etc but jacob likes to cook as i like to cook and so we usually try to plan a couple things well our one of our main dishes we served everyone on july 4th at a gathering was hot chicken which I'm sure is popular enough to be familiar right now. It's really spread. I would say there's, there's multiple hot chicken places up here. Um, when I ate hot chicken at Gus's outside Memphis, mm, eight years ago, there was only like two Gus's locations and they were going to open up a third in Nashville. Now there's one in Chicago. 
Like, <laughs> it's following. Yeah. I've not been to the one here, but um, but yeah, no, it's a you know, it's a fried chicken with the. I mean, you tell me, is it? It's fried chicken dunked in sauce, basically, right? Yeah, essentially, it's that. It's pretty simple, but as with so many things, and I think you'll probably back me up on this, is that if you have the ingredients that go well together and you're going to make it yourself fresh, it's going to have a much higher ceiling than some might imagine. Like it's real, Certain things are just really good when they're put together fresh with good ingredients. I know that sounds like a weird commercial that's going on in the background for some product <laughs> that you know is selling you crap. But better ingredients, better pizza. <laughs> well, if they would live up to their slogan. No, I think an important um, part of a slogan is bald-faced lying. You really got to just yeah, throw yourself into definitely. it. Yeah, it's just like take some chicken breasts, flatten them out into sandwich size, and then you do a, sort of a light batter type of thing or breading and uh and you know in the breading is some spice and you fry them and then you pull them out and then you've prepared on the side a melted fat slash spice mixture that is also hot that you put on the hot fried chicken that has emerged from the fryer boneless this is going to be a sandwich, Mo- which is important. Mo- melted fat mixture? Well, you you can use just frying oil, but we use lard. Is Wait, is uh, this is post-fry? Yeah, so check it. So you, you make the batter or the breading mix, and in the flour you have some spice, and in the wash, yeah, yeah. the egg wash, you have a little hot sauce if you want. I got you up until the part where you dunk the fried okay, chicken so inside in lard. You take some lard. Okay. You don't dunk it. Oh. You <laughs> you melt the lard and then you put in a spice mix which the majority of is cayenne pepper. Okay. Yeah. But then it's also got various other spices. And you cook that up and you heat it up and then the fried chicken comes out. You put it on a rack. Oh, okay. Sort of a I, dripping rack. I, 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 then you take a yeah. basting brush and you baste both sides with as much of the spice mix as you want all while it's hot, and then it just cools down a second, put it on a bun. You should have already made homemade buttermilk ranch. I didn't think I had to say that. <laughs> Pour a little over there and then put some pickles on it, and then you're done. You might recognize that as something that you've eaten at Chick-fil-A. Even, In a far inferior but form. Yeah. it is something else when you make it yourself. Okay, I I blacked. Uh, I understand now. I blacked out there for a second when you were initially describing it, and I thought there was a post-frying oil lard situation. <laughs> like you took the fried chicken and then dunked it in lard after it was fried. But you were just describing the frying process. I'm good. <laughs> no, I think you're misunderstanding me still. Ah, damn it. You fry the chicken. Okay. You Put it, you're done frying it. You put it on a rack. It's dripping yeah, yeah. excess grease. Then you've made a lard spice mix. Oh. Which then you brush over the chicken. Good Lord. And you're not, you're not adding much fat. You're just adding an infused fat with spices onto both sides, which then drips on the drying rack itself. Mm. And it just settles in. And it's different than sprinkling stuff on or even in the the breading. Uh okay. Man. Yeah, all right, that that is that is different. That's also different than like a Actually, you know what? It's it sounds insane on some level to brush uh fried chicken with lard, but then again, like the way you make like uh buffalo wings is you mix a bottle of red hot with like a bunch of butter. And butter and lard are not that dissimilar. So it's well. I mean, you've just taken it out of a boiling pot of fat, right. and you're just brushing hot fat over it with spices. Yeah. So. No, I, 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 you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to actually do this at some point. But like, it was something that I find very interesting is like the um, differing formats of certain food feel way less healthy, even though they're not uh, less healthy. Like, if mm-hmm. if I were to take a um, a spoonful of mayonnaise and put it on uh, a p- 
piece of toast like and just be like here you go that sounds <laughs> disgusting but like mayonnaise is just oil and egg so if i were to like fry an egg and put it on a toast like the ratios are with not the, that dissimilar toast. right yeah yeah like Here's some buttered toast with a fried egg people associate You're like what is this mayonnaise right people associate mayonnaise with like unhealthiness but like they associate an oil-based salad dressing with healthiness even though like the oil like you could potentially be ingesting just as much oil via the salad dressing and salad dressings also often have sugar that kind of thing you know what i mean right. like i mean not oils not all oils are the same but the point i think is definitely taken we imagine the feel of something being healthier and healthy. Right. And, or it's like you, t- you uh, take a piece of salami and you fry it up and you're like, Oh, look how greasy it's salami is. Or, but like you would gladly accept like sliced summer sausage and, and cheese on crackers, even though like that's the same basic. Oh yeah. Food. You heat that up and you're like, where's all this grease coming from? <laughs> it's like you were eating the grease before, <laughs> dude. It was just room temperature. <laughs> So it wasn't greasy because it was coagulated. Coagulated Coagulated grease and a spoonful of mayo. Those are just phrases that I don't like to hear often. (laughs) Do you not like mayonnaise? Oh, I like mayonnaise, but who wants a spoonful of mayonnaise? Apparently my daughter. um, Mm. she'll, She'll hang out on the counter with me. I actually have this written down. Be fast with F is written on my thing. Uh, which is that she likes being uh, what she calls my, I think she actually came up with it, my scooping girl. So like, I'll be. <laughs> I'm going to guess, yeah. I'll be, uh, she'll be a good daddy, can I be your scooping girl? And I'll put her on the counter next to me. And then no matter what our ingredient is that we're using, she'll want to uh, be the person to scoop if she can, or at least the person to dump it in the bowl. And then she also wants to taste everything. Which is really cool. Because I feel yes. like a big part of making sure your kids are not picky is like, Making sure that food is familiar. Uh, that's my that's Jules for me. He's a lot like that. Yeah. So it's a balance because it's a real headache to try to cook things with a kid constantly hovering around you. But also, you do want to include them, right? And like she will, she will try basically anything. Like yesterday, she was licking. She started licking everything, which is going to be a problem. Like, I have to start, um, I have to really crack down on that before she licks something she's not supposed to. Um, but we were making, um, I was making parsnip biscuits on Sunday. And she, which I saw. Yeah, I've never made biscuits before, um, somehow. So why not start with parsnip biscuits, <laughs> yeah, well, which I are shot a for the thing, stars apparently? Yeah, they, um, it, they were tricky. I, I, I I learned a little bit about like um, how quickly a biscuit dough goes from oh god this dough isn't coming together to hey it's dough to oh it's rubber now like the the uh, mm. you can only fold it a couple of times before it gets real tough they came out fine I would I definitely would like another shot at biscuits now that I kind of understand what's going on um, but she was sitting there just licking a, the spoon that had like scooped the um, baking powder <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? well. I've ha- I have a liquor. I would like to say had, and he's six now. My middle namesake Liam, mm. and uh, he was a, he has a serious licking problem. And at one point, I think maybe we discussed this, but I we even came up with a song for some of the most egregious offenses, which you can use with Felix if it becomes a problem. And it goes a little something like this. Okay. Bathroom floors are yucky. Don't lick them. Whoa. Okay. I mean, it's easy. It's short. It's easy to remember. It very specifically addresses the problem. I yeah. I wasn't. That wasn't the problem I was expecting. I was still thinking in the context of like a kitchen. Like, oh, you licked a raw egg spoon or something. But right. I don't, that doesn't really rise to the level of meaning and make a song. This true. clearly did. Uh, clearly, that song is uh, simultaneously very. Very broad, and also it really tells a tale. Um, it's like those warnings on products, and you're like, "Why would they warn me of that?" Well, it happened. <laughs> is it is it something about this the bathroom like floor in particular? Does your bathroom have like a imprint of something delicious looking in the tile, or are you no, are you really not cool with him licking any floor, just not the bathroom floor? No, it was the most important 
thing I wanted him to stop doing. Okay. You're just going to kind of start with the bathroom <laughs> so, floor and work out from there. It's slick agnostic. It doesn't matter what the surface is. Okay. He, he's ready to go. Uh, it's just when you're out in public. Oh, no. And they're trying to lick, like, they don't even try. They just get distracted, and you see them, like, running their tongue along whatever's eye level, which is, like, the s- porcelain sink in whatever bathroom you're in. That's not a in, floor, though. Like, okay, but, like... No, well, the, the, the floor has happened. I just don't want to think about it that much. Oh, jeez. Uh, I, I mean, Archer will definitely, like, rest his mouth on things that are mouth level, and it's... Yeah. Including me. I'll have him like he'll reach he'll come around <laughs> as I'm like on the computer or whatever and like he'll rest something on my shoulder and then a minute later I'll realize that my shoulder feels like moist and it's because he's Ugh. rested his mouth on my shoulder. <laughs> There's so many things that kids do like that and I you have to accept it at some point. You know, like I mean the fact that they I don't know. I get it. They just they want to be around you, and it's more endearing than it is disgusting. But it's also disgusting. I mean, he, he, your William is going to have like amazing antibodies due to like he's going to. I mean, scientific he's fine, marvel. So yeah, yeah. I'm uh, his blood will be used to cure future Ebola. Well, I mean, he's going to be very valuable in the um, in the food court wars. <laughs> Well, better step off. Sabaro has uh, has a uh, lock on this one. We've got the cure to the plague. The Nabu clan is going to have to stage some sort of a midnight raid on Sabaro and steal away the golden child. Our people are dying. <laughs> i